everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis from Freebie. Uh, we are your morning show. For any hour, we got a bunch going on. Uh, the ceasefire has been broken. I'm sure you'll be surprised by whom when we get to that later. Uh, there's a lot of, unfortunately, anti-Semitism news that we need to get to in yep. America. But we got some other stuff for you as well. It's a little sunnier, including an uncanceled segment about a young fan at a Kansas City Chiefs game. So we'll get to that later. Oh, and Elon Musk is popping off. Popping off, y'all. Before that, how's it going, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. <laughs> I'm doing fine. Hanging in there, as you know, with my my back injury, which I'm now beginning to wonder if it's called chronic back injury. And uh-huh. I hate to use the word chronic, but the older you get, you know, I mean, which means yeah. like there's no end. Yeah. So I'm not sure every morning it's like, how is it going to be when I stand up? And so it's just, I have to move. How gingerly. many weeks are we out from the incident? I feel like it's three. It was, I, I feel like it's almost like three, four weeks. But okay. I think that is a, that's a reasonable time. I feel like yeah. three or four weeks was where Steve was Okay. Well, feeling full, slightly better. Full disclosure, you know, I, I did some weightlifting yesterday. So, you know, okay. I've asked for it. Yeah. <laughs> Again, as my dad says, you'll be fine as long as you don't do anything stupid. I'm like, come on, let's, you know. Okay. Other Get than these that, gains. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what gains, gaining in weight. Because as you know, I'm obsessed with, you know, not wanting to waste food because I really do right. believe it's a sin. And of course, after Thanksgiving, we had this leftover turkey, oh, you finished just that. Beaten. And I, but I do want to point out, and there's some like leftover birthday cake for my daughter's birthday, mm. just little bits at a time. Right. But I do want to say my single greatest achievement is because my father was visiting here, as you know, and, and now he's back up in Jersey. We get him stuff to anticipate things that he might need, right. including a carton of lactate. Milk, because okay. he's lactose intolerant now, never got to it. Huh. But I'd hate to see it go. So I, within so you're two weeks, take the lact- in, t- in two weeks' time, I finished the lactate carton. Okay. Uh, and if anyone's wondering, it's interesting. It's sort of like, it, there's a milkshake I mean, element to it. I mean, isn't it like, how long would it keep? Because it was like, what's in it there? It was good till December. What's in there? Yeah, it was good till December. And as you know, we're not quite there yet. Okay. So right. I got through the lactate. Well, congratulations and to you. It's not bad. It's not bad. I feel like it's very sweet. Doesn't yes. it taste sweet? <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it's like, it feels like drinking- Have you ever had? Like the fake Coffee Mate creamer. Yeah. That's what it feels That's like basically. drinking. Yeah, there's some of that too. I've been I just, don't know I've why I've been drinking it, the but... Coffee Mate creamer as well. i just been sort of ah, straight. That, de- that definitely doesn't go bad. I don't think you need no, to worry about that. No, I that room temperature for months. Mary Catherine, how are you? I'm doing all right. We had fun at my house yesterday. I find that whenever my husband leaves town, immediately at least one child does something crazy like it just intentionally no or i just, just think it's just happens. it just happens that way mm-hmm. but then not super crazy but something weird goes right like someone will get weird sick or someone will right. do something weird as soon as he's gone That's so yesterday morning my room is next to the baby's room the two babies are in there together and two two cribs and they sleep well in there together you have so many kids so closely so close together that you actually have two. They're not twins, but there's two cribs in there's the room. There's two cribs in that room. Yes. And they do well in there. And in the morning, they wake up and they usually chat with each other sort of. And they'll, they'll fuss a little bit, Making but then noises. they kind of, they'll fall back asleep. Okay. And and I, as you know, my parenting philosophy is that it's richer and better for them and for you if you ignore them for 20, 30 minutes at a time. No. Frequently. It, it, no, it, it's, yeah. it's it's true, particularly in the morning. Yes. So they often will fall back asleep or mm-hmm. they just hang out in their cribs and they know that that's what they can do. In I the have morning. a quick question. Mm-hmm. 
are both of them or just one of them able to pull themselves up? They can both stand now, but they have not attempted to escape. So they can stand at each. Have you ever walked in and they're like the two of them are standing talking to each other? They're not across from the room from each other. They're on the same wall, okay. but they can kind of peek out and chat with each other. So <laughs> that's so adorable. Yeah, because there's a dresser between them. So they I hope they. I don't know. They hey. probably will not remember this stuff, but it's so adorable. It's very sweet. Yeah. So this week, as soon as Steve leaves that morning, I do hear like more crying than I normally hear uh-huh. from the toddler okay. who is a little over two now, and right. I'm like. Is she mad about? Mm-hmm. She seems mad. But I left her for a little while because we always leave them for a little while in there. And I didn't check the camera because I don't check the camera that frequently. We never had. Camera. And then a little while later, after mom's relaxing cup of coffee by herself, I <laughs> go in and there's still fussing going on. And I go in. She has taken her sleep sack off and she has wedged. She's standing. Oh. And she has wedged her leg through the crib slats in such a way that she cannot pull it back yes. through. She's gone too far. That's... And that was what was bothering her, at which point I said, well, I feel kind of bad about that. I am sorry. But first, let me take a picture of you so I can send this to you, <laughs> your dad. <laughs> but here's the thing. I got four kids, so I know how to deal with this. Here's how you deal before. with this. I said, sweetie, I'm going to be right back. And I ran downstairs and I got a giant carton of coconut oil. I was going to make a joke, but I didn't think it was real. Nope. You actually like butter. You have to grease like the baby. To grease the baby. you got to grease the baby. So I bring it into there. And she's, of course, super mad that I left the room again. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm, this time I'm not leaving yeah. you, leaving you. I'm coming back. Come back with carton. Scoop out some coconut oil. And she comes right out of there. Wow. Yeah. That's how you do it. So if you guys have that issue, I've done it with two. Two of my children have become entangled with the crib slats. When I, when I was it. three, I got my head... Stuck. And there was no hope for that there was, crib. Yeah, coconut oil was not going to help that situation. <laughs> the I, crib was destroyed. Yeah, it was actually, we were at a neighbor's, so it wasn't, this is worse. Oh it wasn't gosh. a crib. It was like the wrought iron. Oh, no. On, you know, and my sister, who's three years older than me, she's like, look, what I, you know, she she was showing me what she could do. But of course, my head's larger, even yeah. though I'm younger. And I went in, and then the ears. Couldn't get out. Panic ensued. And they had to use like crowbars to stretch it out. That's a little embarrassing. It was like my dad's boss. You oh, know, that like is embarrassing. The, the that is, that's a sitcom that's plot a, yeah, right there. That's embarrassing. Your yeah. kids. Okay. But in sitcoms, <laughs> they were always having dinner with their bosses yes. at their yeah. boss's yes. houses. Yes, dinner at the boss's house. So apparently so that was, was your yeah, life. We, I don't remember ever having yeah. family dinner over at my dad's boss's house or his boss coming to yeah. our house. I don't yeah. remember that being a thing. I'm glad it's not a thing now. We'd have you over, Vic, but. Thank you. Yeah. Thank don't you. stick your head through the crib slats. <laughs> that. I need those cribs. Not happening. I need those cribs. Okay. So that's what's going on. Everyone was fine. Good. Uh, she was no worse for the wear. Running around like crazy. She's she's slathered. A-okay. Slathered and a little, running around. A little greasier than <laughs> she was before. No, she, she also like, because it gets everywhere. So she tans well now. It's all in her well. hair. Yeah. Like, uh, her hair's just yeah, like a, yeah. like a, what, member of Fallout Boy is what she looks like now. Like Pete Wentz Fallout or something. Fallout Boy, yeah. Uh, okay. well, who's Pete Wentz from? Is he from Fallout? No. Uh, you're, uh, no. I, anyway, okay. has the greasy bangs. Anyway, okay, let's do the let's do the news, shall we? Ah, uh, let's do it. All right. Unfortunately, we have to talk about a bunch of anti-Semitism. Before we start that, I should say the ceasefire has been broken by Hamas in a major way. A some Hamas terrorists shot up a bus stop in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem. They have claimed responsibility for it. So this is not a 
This is not a guess. And three have died and six are wounded at this point. But the ceasefire begins now. Well, yes. Okay. You, I know you'll be shocked to find this, but I did a Google search on ceasefire uh, broken. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of news on that front. Well, I it's, don't think you'd want to put fact, it that way. In fact, what there is is a lot of news about how truces can be fragile. Oh, mm-hmm. nuance. Yeah, no, the, the New York Times New York Times headline, past Israel-Hamas ceasefires have proved fragile. Now, this came before this very definitive breaking of the ceasefire, uh-huh. but I know this will surprise you as well. She runs through one, the reporter runs, runs through one, two, three, four, five, six, six ceasefires over the years, all but one broken by the Hamas side of the equation. Hmm, and I'd have to research that one yeah. that's not... Hamas first and decide figure out well like what what's going on there because this is the New York Times and again the you know like what makes them fragile it, guys it, it, the but, shooting people at bus stops that does make them fragile but don't forget if Israel were to retaliate that would be oh, continuing the cycle of violence round upon no. there's, there's upon. only one way the cycle of violence ends just let yeah. them kill you well and this is the problem with calls for ceasefire is that that's what that looks like in real life mm-hmm. that's what a ceasefire looks like in yeah. real life because. One side believes, and its supporters in this country believe, that it is entitled to do anything by any means necessary to resist, and that includes killing civilians at a bus stop, and it includes breaking ceasefires and fully expecting that the other side hold the ceasefire. I think they should just be more open about it and just say, we demand Israel. Yeah, just don't defend yourself. one-sided ceasefire. Yeah, that's that's what they want. Okay, but in, in... in better news on this front, there are still some hostages coming back, and that ceasefire is is gaining you know, freedom for some Israeli citizens in, in that sense, and so that continues to go. I think there's seven exchanges that have happened now. A 21-year-old woman came back today who yeah. was taken from the music festival. You've, you, she's one who appeared in a Hamas video at some wow. point injured yes. and very clearly scared, mm-hmm. and so good news on that front. Senator Chuck Schumer gave a speech on yeah. the floor about anti-Semitism. This is the New York Times reporting again. Senator Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York and the majority leader on Wednesday warned that some liberals and young people were, quote, unknowingly aiding and abetting anti-Semitism in the name of social justice, fueling a dangerous rise in bigotry against Jews amid Israel's war against Hamas. You know, uh, credit words too. That's that's the lead. That is the lead for that. They didn't bury it. No, it was a 40-minute speech. Yeah, 40-minute speech. He, He names a bunch of examples After October 7th, when boycotts were organized against Jewish businesses in Philadelphia that have nothing to do with Israel, that's anti-Semitism. After October 7th, when swastikas appeared on a Jewish deli on the Upper East Side, that is anti-Semitism. After October 7th, when protesters in California shouted at Jewish Americans, Hitler should have smashed you, that is anti-Semitism. We'll play a little bit of audio of, of Schumer. After October 7th, Jewish Americans are feeling singled out, targeted, and isolated. In many ways, we feel alone. The solidarity that Jewish Americans initially received from many of our fellow citizens was quickly drowned out by other voices, while the dead bodies of Jewish Israelis were still warm, while hundreds of Jewish Israelis were being carried as hostages back to Hamas tunnels under Gaza. He is the highest ranking American Jew in public office. Right. And I am sure that the last thing he wanted to actually do was have to get crosswise with some people in his own caucus because he's kneeling. 
Republicans, for once, don't have an issue with this. Right. Republicans, by and large, are pro-Israel. I'm sure you can find a few exceptions here well, and there. Well, and what... what our friends on the left would say is, hey, you remember those six people who stood on a corner in Florida with masks on that are neo-Nazis? Those guys are bad. Yeah. Condemned by many Republicans because the press asks them to condemn them, even though they're not very obviously part of any coalition at all. No. They're not asked to condemn these things, which is why Schumer's bringing it to the forefront. Right. And it's a serious problem on his side, but I don't see a fix to this. I just see a deepening rift within the Democrats because they have, it's a very large contingent, And part of it is generational. I'm not saying that all young people believe one thing and all old people believe another thing. And certainly when you look at the polls in general, a majority of people, young and old, support Israel. They blame Hamas. Although even if you were to say it's 70% pro-Israel, the idea that, I don't know, 30% of uh, people think Hamas uh, is in the right, that's, I think that's a problem. I don't mean to say blame Israel, I blame Hamas if I I might've gotten mixed up. But the, uh, the point is within that caucus, You have the older Democrats, many of whom lost races and got primaried out in the past, who who are pro-Israel. They still believe that Israel is the, you know, our our best ally in the region, the only democracy in the region. And then you have this younger generation, a newer generation in office who believes like all these other, you know, rising young stars who have now been inculcated in this, that Israel is the occupier the colonizer. It's an apartheid state. And they just throw this out very easily. And of course, the chant from the river to the sea. And Schumer talks about that. Well, and he also notes, as he should, and by the way, credit where it's due as well, because it is hard to go after your own side. And people who are doing things you find detestable, who are aligned with you on other things. That is an uncomfortable thing to do. And But he's, he's doing it and he's making note of the fact that one of the reasons He's doing it is because the Jewish community is deeply hurt mm-hmm. and feels betrayed because they have considered themselves allies to oppressed right. and marginalized communities and then are not given any leeway for being a mar- a very a highly historically marginalized community yeah. themselves. But the good news is that I'm sure a lot of young people are learning at college really smart things that would deter them from this kind of thinking. At the very right? least, we can sleep, uh, you can sleep well at night right, knowing that. because the colleges they're are in educating good hands them. When you pay $60,000, $70,000 a year, they're in good hands. You know, it turns out that's not true, oh. Vic. The U.S. Department of Education is opening an investigation into Harvard University. It's one of the elite ones over claims of anti-Semitism on campus, according to the federal agency's website. The department, which announced earlier this month a separate investigation into half dozen U.S. colleges and universities and a local school district for alleged anti-Semitic and Islamophobic incidents, opened the investigation to Harvard on Tuesday. It stems from a complaint that alleged the Ivy League school discriminated against Jewish and Israeli students when it failed to respond to alleged incidents of harassment last month, according to a letter from the department seen by the Boston Globe. First of all, good. I'm Mm -hmm. glad they're looking into this. The problem with all of this is that these things are selectively enforced. And it turns out that anti-Semitism on campus is not nearly the micro or macro aggression, even yeah. when you get to assault and intimidation and threats right. of violence that say like misgendering someone is. Turns out that that's not as enforced by college It's a much more serious crime to get the pronoun wrong. Oh, it's very, very serious. So they're looking into this. And, uh, and again, this yeah. of course, they should because here's the thing. People's speech is endangered by letting these things go unpunished. If you let those things go unpunished on one side, it means, of course, people who are pro-Israel are going to feel uncomfortable speaking out. That's right. Uh, I, I do want to point mm-hmm. out the the DOJ and civil rights 
office division. They they want to stress. They're not pointing any fingers and saying anybody's guilty here. They're just they're just investigating because you know a complaint was filed by the Jews, right? You know? well, and and, and when, this has to do with the die-in protest at Harvard. Yes, and the Jewish student who was trying to record it and was walking past them carefully, right? And then he's the one who gets he assaulted. Was, yeah, and they try to take his phone away. And and the, and the idiots he was filming claimed when they put up video of him oh. peacefully walking through, mm-hmm. that that should justify their attacks on him, their physical attacks yes, on him. Yes, how dare you? I'm, I'm at a public protest. How dare you try to record <laughs> me in public? Let me wear the keffiyeh to hide my face. It's you really know, it's, wild how it, dumb these smart it, people are. But also administrators, because an administrator was complaining. It was either at Harvard or at another university. You would think that he would come to the side of people feeling that unsafe and attacked and instead said that this whole idea of recording people at these rallies is doxing. Nope. Doxing. Nope. Also, out in Berkeley, just so we're covering both yep. coasts, Jewish groups are suing the University of California system, UC Berkeley, and its leaders over what they call a longstanding unchecked spread of anti-Semitism. The 36-page lawsuit filed Tuesday by the Brandeis Center and Jewish Americans for Fairness and Education argues that Berkeley and its law school's inaction on discrimination against Jewish students has led to a spread of anti-Semitism and violence and harassment against them. Demonstrations and incidents on campus following the October 7th Hamas attacks on Israel serve as examples of discrimination of this discrimination according to the complaint i mean good sue sue people i'm i used to be a very not litigious person sure in theory but i'm beginning to understand that the way to make these universities listen yeah is to make them listen in court yeah and, uh, and there's one bit of good news which is in columbia law school Mm-hmm. There, oh. The dean, Jillian Lester, has announced she is resigning. Now, she claims As that reported this, in the Beacon? This had, yes, as reported in the Beacon. But this had been in the works, she says, for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I, need, I just wanted to spend more time with my family. It's happening. And he, uh, she is being replaced by a fellow David Scheiser, who is actually very pro-Israel. Okay. So, a bit of good news. To, to temper that with some really bad news, let me give you this one. This is just this morning. Uh, I saw this. Oh. Brown University President Christina Paxson was giving a speech mm-hmm. to condemn, of course, all forms of discrimination because you can't just stick with the prevalent one that's happening right now on your campus. Brown University President Christina Paxson planned to say, quote, every student, faculty, and staff member should be able to proudly wear a Star of David or don a keffiyeh on the Brown campus or to cover their head with a hijab or yarmulke. After pro-Palestinian protesters heckled her, she cut references only to the Star of David and a yarmulke. Oh, come on. That is such stunning cowardice. Just like these are these are yeah. words. Your words aren't violence. I know they think words are violence. Your words aren't violence. When you say the Star of David and a yarmulke and you extend to your Jewish students the idea that they might be protected when they wear those things, that's not They're violence. Not. That's that that's don't worry. I know the I know the pro-Palestinian students are telling you that's violence and you're dehumanizing everyone by just mentioning the Star of David. You're not. Be a grown up. Stand up to these, albeit adults, young adults who act like babies. Well, they can't do it. Pathetic. It's, it's, pathetic. Yeah. Part of it you wonder is how much they agree, but a good part of it is cowardice. They're just they're scared. Administrators are scared, and we we saw this. I don't know if you wanted to get into this next about Hillcrest, the school do, in Queens, a uh, high school in Queens. Yeah. An investigation is underway in Queens where students at Hillcrest High School stormed the hallways in protest after learning a Jewish teacher attended a pro-Israel rally. The chaos last Monday was all caught on camera. It lasted for hours as the terrified teacher hid in a locked closet. 
Schools Chancellor David Banks said Monday that education is about character and that he wanted to listen. He wants to listen. Not punish anyone. He wants to listen, Vic, to both students and staff and both the Jewish community and the Muslim community. He said building trust with students is a priority, but he said discipline will be swift and fair after 400 students in Jamaica, Queens, rioted inside the school. By the way, for perspective, the New York Times called this a protest. I don't think it was a protest. So so as of now, I believe, following this affair mm-hmm. at Hillcrest, one student has been charged. Well, well, that'll do it. With aggravated harassment. I mean, they ripped out the water fountain in the hall. And not only that, but Banks, the chancellor, actually went out of his way to say that these other outsiders who are saying that the students have been radicalized, very irresponsible. They shouldn't uh. say it. And it's totally wrong. Really? So, yeah. Really? Because, okay, let's just imagine, put on our oh. put on our mm-hmm. thinking caps here and imagine that being, say, an anti-mask, quote, protest. Yeah. Okay. Let's say during the, the late stages oh. of COVID mm-hmm. when schools were open in mm-hmm. New York and some kids objected to wearing masks. If this is what it became, would it be called a protest? No. I don't think so. No, they call it the National would, would those... Students be unpunished? Right. I don't think so. And this is the thing. This gets worse and worse the less you punish the students mm-hmm. who are very obviously on tape guilty it incur- yeah, it of doing things them. that at least break the school rules, if not actual laws. I know that we've had walkouts in the past. You can go back to the 60s with the walkouts, right? And, and, and the sit-ins. But I feel like this really started to happen after the summer of 2020, right? After George Floyd. Right. Because suddenly you had these walkouts by students and they weren't being organized by the teachers or the principals. They'd be, you'd be in the middle of class. And I know this from kids I know where all right. of a sudden in the middle of class, a whole chunk just gets up and leaves and they walk out and you have no control over the classroom. Unless, of course, it was going to be like, I don't know, a pro-life walkout or right. something. Then, <laughs> Maybe then, then the hammer comes yeah, down then, they, then they lock down all the doors. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about this, but a part of me felt like when I, you know, the first incident at Cooper Union, remember, mm-hmm. where the, the Jewish students locked themselves in. And in this incident, where this is a woman who went to a pro-Israel rally, and then she posted on social media supporting Israel, and she's the one being attacked by all these young kids who are now seemingly pro-Hamas. Yeah, let's lose track of the fact that she's, she's hidden in a locked she's closet She's hidden in a locked closet. Because they want to hurt her. So uh, that's my question to you. A part of me felt like if I were her... I would just open the door and say, here I am. What are you going to do to me? Are they really going to hurt her? What do you to, think? Oh, I think so. Oh. To me, to me, this I feel has... like so much of it is they're all worked up because they like yeah, to but intimidate. Here, but things happen. But things happen and then they get up. all That's why I think that people who this is very people bad. who diminished January yeah. 6th, and there were parts of it that were very mundane, and there were people just walking through the sure. Capitol, and there are people who are being punished too yeah. much for that. But there was a segment that wanted to lynch Mike Pence sure. and was serious about it. Yeah. That And I yeah. I believe they were looking to hurt some people. Right. I believe these students would have been fine with hurting someone. And then what? The question is, and then what? I mean, she'd probably have... They'd would do people some out- feel bad should, about it? Should they do some outreach I, after yeah. that, maybe? And, 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 and try to figure out what it is that you did that upset these kids. That would be it. It's <sighs> downright Maoist. Well, that's the chancellor, Maoist. the chancellor said he's calling for understanding saying the war was, quote, a very visceral and emotional issue at Hillcrest where about 30% mm-hmm. of students are Muslims. They feel a kindred spirit with the folks of the Palestinian community.
community. And uh, you have to understand how happy they were when they went on a killing spree. I mean, that's a problem. That's, that's yeah. a problem. No, and I again, I go back to, you think about the Cultural Revolution. You think about the students in the Red Brigades and they just, you know, with their little, you know, red books and, you know, uprising. Yeah. And revolting against the teachers. And I, I think you're, I think there is some of this that's opportunistic, right? It's like, oh, well, we can do mayhem. Yeah. Because that's what we're doing right now. And maybe it's not necessarily ideological in the most horrible way possible. Still bad for they a enjoy, school. They enjoy being a part of the bullying yeah, crowd. And still still bad for a school. Also, the way that the Cultural Revolution works is that if you don't join in, you become a marked man. Yeah. Right? And so a lot of these, there there are probably students who yeah. feel compelled to be, hey, hey yeah, let's up. go to get the Jewish mm-hmm. teacher. Mm-hmm. She... She's terrible right. because if not, then what are they? Do you remember the Black Lives Matter? something called remember- a Jew lover? Is yeah. that what they become? Yeah. Do you remember the Black Lives Matter protests that were going through the cities and this pathetic video of going through, and it might have been Washington, D.C., where they people are trying to dine outside oh, because, God. you know, it's COVID. You got to dine outside. The, that was the freakiest. And they would say people to force diners to stand up, interrupt your fancy meal, stand up and raise, you know, the, raise the power a fist. fist. And raise speak a fist. With us, yeah. And the image of this one white woman slowly mm. raising her fist and having the sad look on her face of I'm with you. Are you? Yeah. That's good. There were there were several, by the way, who were genuinely brave who just sat there and were like, No. 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 I'm not doing this. Yeah. It's it that's a that's a bad way to do business. It's really I think bad. we should all yeah. be able to agree. But we don't agree because, by the way, did you see the Christmas tree lighting was interrupted? Oh, the one in New by York. By pro-Palestinian, the, yes, uh, yes, the uh, one in pro-Hamas yes. groups as well. There were some swastikas in that crowd. I've seen the video. And uh, as one, as my friend Bethany Mandel joked, wow, you're really owning the Jews by messing up the Christmas tree lighting, guys. <laughs> but it is, it, again, strange that six guys on a corner in, like, Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. national news oh, story. Oh, that is. Yeah. National news story. But this- the, Disruption of the Christmas tree lighting yeah. with actual swastikas in the yeah. in the crowd. Yeah, we don't, no, we don't you'd have so to go to Fox that. or Andy Go. What do you make of Joe Biden's tweet that seems to signal okay. a real shift in the White House's take on this? Hamas, it says he says Hamas yeah. unleashed a terrorist attack because they fear nothing more than Israelis and Palestinians living side by side in peace. To continue down the path of terror, violence, killing, and war is to give Hamas what they seek. We can't do that. That seems like a significant change. Okay. Depending on how you read it, I'm just going to say when I saw the tweet, I understood at least the first part of what he's thinking. I understand how he's thinking and what he's thinking, which is, first of all, the Abraham Accords, which was an amazing thing. People tried to downplay it saying, big deal. You get to fly from one country to the other. It was, in the words of Biden, a BFD is what it was. Oh, Yeah. yeah, right. It was. That's right. For this. And and then later on, they realized that they can actually capitalize on that and pull off some an amazing foreign policy, a victory, which would be getting Israel and Saudi Arabia to become have more normalized relations. And they were on the supposedly on the cusp of that. And then Iran realized and Hamas realizes and all of their allies realize if this happens, their cause is going to be marginalized. So we need to do something to disrupt that and try to create a rift between Israel and its Arab neighbors, because how are they going to, they have to respond to this attack by killing Palestinians. Right. And then we can ruin everything and then people will come to our side. In fact, Saudi Arabia obviously has been very quiet about this, watching what is going to happen. 
behind the scenes. Other countries, as you know, have taken the side of the Iranians. So that's what I think what Biden was trying to say. The okay. second part, though, is saying it suggests that this this is the reason why, when in fact, of course, they've been planning this for years. Well, and Hamas is, you know, the, the, it's in their charter. They were right. always planning on killing Israelis and destroying Israel altogether. So I think the part that has our side worked up is that continuing down the path of war. Yeah. I think killing that's and war. It. Killing. I was thinking Hamas's war and killing, but no, I, you're like, right. That's a. Yeah, yeah. It, it encompasses both styles yeah, he of. Tried, it was. Of warfare I'd like to here. know how long they they spent working on that tweet because you know a Trump tweet takes about a minute. <laughs> they're, they're like, there's not, ah, I I got it. There's not even a we'll time t- for we'll a spell tell check. Them, we'll yeah. tell them that the war benefits Hamas, and therefore yeah. that to be pro Israel's self defense would be to be pro Hamas. You don't yeah. want that. I don't know. I don't think yeah. anyone over there is playing 4D chess. But this to me is concerning because it signals that Biden will be probably less strong in his assertions that Israel mm-hmm. will do what it must do to get rid of Hamas entirely, because that's going to take longer. And I know that everyone's like, oh, there's been a momentary ceasefire, which, by the way, has just been just yeah. been broken in a very brutal way. I know it makes the people who call for ceasefire feel better that Israel is doing nothing yeah. to defend itself. But that is not a sustainable situation because Hamas has said it will do October 7th over and over and over again. And by the way, a thing that I think we, we miss Israel is a small country. It is the size of New Jersey. Yeah. It has not very many people in it. A huge major I mean a huge a huge number of those people, a huge percentage mm-hmm. of those people are in uniform right now. Yeah. Reserves and active yeah. defending their country, which means the country is not operating with a regular economy mm-hmm. or as a normal free country that is mm-hmm. a great ally of ours right now. They cannot until this war is prosecuted and until Hamas is taken yeah. out. They can't go back to living. No. There's people evacuated into the middle of the country from everywhere. There's also no option for them other than getting rid of Hamas. They cannot. The country cannot just have them in place and say, we'll have a ceasefire and we'll stretch it out because, you know, we're going to extend it thanks to these reliable Qatari diplomats who are, of course, harboring, you know, Hamas leaders in their fancy, you know, abodes. That can't be the case. Yet the rest of the world, of course, is like, well... You know, extend it more. See, now it's more peace. Okay, they might have violated, but restrain yourselves. Just yeah, let it happen. Let the peace happen. This has let the before, peace happen, but this guys. This has happened before, where immediately after a terrorist attack, because you know they can easily address a country and tell a country that has a foreign policy and a ministry to say, "Don't act on this." Right. But the terrorists, they it's can asymmetric just, warfare. Right. They can do whatever they want. They can There's do no whatever rules. They want. Rules for me, By the but way, not for I, thee. I do think New Jersey's huge. You can go from New Jersey. Cape May up to Morristown, almost two and a half. I mean, it's no three hours. It's no almost wonder. Hours, it's maybe. no wonder that everyone's yeah. so mad that this giant piece of land in the Middle East huge. has it's been taken huge. over by the Jewish people. But we're going to close with just this very depressing audio from the Oakland City Council. This is on Monday. They passed the city council passed a careful. This is AP reporting a carefully crafted resolution calling for a ceasefire in this Israel-Hamas war after hours of hearing impassioned rhetoric about the deaths of thousands of civilians in Gaza. I feel like that might be mischaracterizing it. Let's play a bit of that audio. There's not been beheadings of babies and rapings. Israel murdered their own people on October 7th. 
Calling Hamas a terrorist organization is ridiculous, racist, and plays into genocidal propaganda that is flooding our media and that we should be doing everything possible to combat. I support the right of Palestinians to resist occupation, including through Hamas, the armed wing of the unified Palestinian resistance. As an Arab, asking with this context to condemn Hamas is very anti-Arab racist. The notion that this was a massacre of Jews is a fabricated narrative. Many of those killed on October 7th, including children, were killed by the IDF. The people of Oakland, California, everyone. This is, by the way, a response by citizens to an attempt to add an anti-Hamas, a a condemnation of Hamas to this resolution. So, you know that part in Chuck Schumer's speech where he says a lot of these people take part in the rallies unknowingly? This does not help his case. It doesn't feel unknowing. No, and it makes you wonder at this point, if you were to ask them about the Holocaust, what they would think about that yeah. or about 9-11, where are they getting this information? How long have they held these views? Yeah. It's really disturbing. It's uh, I don't know where you go from I here. Don't, I don't love it. Not to Oakland. That's the answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I, I've, never mind. I got a, I got a Kamala clip. Let's pull a palate cleanser with a Kamala oh, okay. <laughs> That's how bad the news is. Yeah, I'm going yeah, to Kamala. Thank goodness for comic. For a refresher. And yeah. she is always comic relief. Yeah. This is a bit of a bit of 2024 news. Kamala was asked at the Deal Book Summit hosted by the New York Times about Biden's sort of fitness for the trail and his age, and which is, of course, something that in polling a lot of people and many, 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 many Democrats have concerns about. Here we go. To the point, because it is a point that has been made. First of all, I would say that age is more than a chronological fact. I spent a whole lot of time with our president, be it in the Oval Office or the Situation Room and in other places. And I can tell you, as I just mentioned, not only is he absolutely authoritative in rooms around the globe, but in the Oval Office, meeting with members of Congress, meeting with leaders in industry, meeting with community leaders, I will tell you that he is in front of, often, Everyone in the room in terms of thinking about how we can resolve issues, negotiate in a way that is about concession where necessary, but for the sake of accomplishment and actual work. You can't keep up with the guy. She has, you know what she has? She has this amazing ability to stretch out a point <laughs> for into a paragraph. And she has... Ab- and, the word ability might be a little generous, <laughs> but yes. And, and, and she, you know... You add to that the vocal fry, the little bit of this going on, and like, oh, this sounds interesting. Uh, she reminds me of if you've ever seen Best in Show, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, and she's married to the the ninety year old because yeah. you know for the money, and she's trying to explain that they actually have a lot in common, and she says, you know, we both like talking and not talking, <laughs> we like soup, you know, and it's just that that's all it is, and uh, that, that that was her. Yeah. Well, she's eloquent as always. I also wanted to add to the 2024 news. She's vice president of the United States. She's vice president. Which is why, by the way, by the time this runs, Newsom and DeSantis will have faced off on Fox News, which I'm looking forward to. And we'll talk about that later this week or or at our next show. But that's the reason that Newsom is out there. Mm -hmm. Because should something happen, like he wants to be known as a very capable surrogate, but not really a surrogate, (laughs) as a step-in guy. And like, look, he's... He's a slick salesman guy who's full of it, but he's better than this. Yeah. That is for sure. Yeah. I wanted to add to the 2024 mix this little tidbit from Donald J. Trump, okay. former president of the United States. Mark Fisher, who was 
in some way related to the, I believe, the Rhode Island Black Lives Matter movement, okay. perhaps a co-founder. Not the Washington Post's no. uh, longtime no. writer, Mark uh, Fisher. He came out on Fox News and said that he would support Donald Trump okay. due to his belief that the Amer- African-American community was being treated with better, get, getting better results under oh, a President yeah, Trump. True. Here's Trump on the matter. Now, BLM has said, no, 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 that guy has nothing to do with us. So there's some dispute about this. Trump says, spoke with Mark Fisher yesterday, a great guy, very honored to have his and BLM's support. And then he said, goes on to say, I've done more for black people than any other president. Lincoln, question mark, including. No, he didn't say uh-huh, Lincoln, question uh-huh, mark. Uh-huh. You know, every now and then, because you, you don't hear from him for a long time and you don't see him in the media and they're not mentioning this. You're like, I don't know, maybe, you know, you, you tend to remember only the good times, as they say. Mm-hmm. And then. To be fair, he put a question mark, Lincoln, question mark, including a 10-year funding for historically black colleges and universities where they had none, opportunity zones, criminal justice reform, and much more. Thank you to Mark. What does this follows the the old rule about if there's a question mark on your headline? Oh, the answer is no. The answer is no. No, you haven't done more than President Lincoln. So point being, nothing matters because no one in his coalition suddenly will care Mm -hmm. whether he says he's honored to have Mm -hmm. BLM's support. Yeah. Any other candidate pulls that? Oh. Into the candidacy. Yeah, no, him. Honored to have BLM support, said Nikki Haley. That ain't happening. No, he 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 knows what he's doing. I was going to say he knows what he's doing, but maybe I'm wondering if, you know, the intentional this, troll. I, I also, un- it reminds this me. This is unknowing. No. It, it reminds me of how he uh, referred to Frederick Douglass as right. Freddie Douglass. You know, Freddie Douglass, who I worked with in, in Queens. Yeah, good guy. Good guy, Freddie so Douglass. So this is, this is yet again, first of all, again, nobody's going to care even though arguably they should because they would hold any other candidate to that standard. It's also about how his values are wholly transactional. Oh, sure. As long as this guy says he's cool, he thinks yeah. that guy's cool. Yeah. And whatever organization makes, he came from he, is he cool. He finds it very difficult to condemn people who like him. And yes. I mean, I so that, I mean, that's where he's coming from. So it's like, you know, the great challenge with Ronald Reagan and the John Birch Society and having to condemn them, which he right. did. Trump would be like, oh, hold on now. Not everybody from, you know, that's. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to do a little uncanceled. Oh, I got okay, some good. fake racism to debunk. You ready for this? Anything one? for the clicks. Go okay. ahead. A child was featured on the telecast for the Kansas City Chiefs versus mm-hmm. Las Vegas Raiders. I forget they're Las Vegas now. Raiders. Yes. Not game. in Oakland. Yeah, not in Oakland. They left Oakland. They, left they Oakland. saw this coming, guys. Yeah, at the right. There's a there's a kid in the stands. He's wearing a. A headdress, a very elaborate Native American headdress, and his face is painted. Now, the picture that Deadspin, which is the Gawker-affiliated sports site, chooses is a picture of the kid from the side on the telecast where it looks like his face is black with the headdress. And the headline is, the NFL needs to speak out against the Kansas City Chiefs fan in blackface, comma, Native headdress. Now, if you watch the game... You will see this child turn to camera, yeah. and the other side of his face is red. He's not in blackface. As in the Kansas City Chiefs color yes, red. he is in red and black on either side of his face. It is obviously not what this reporter, Karen Phillips. I would say you could probably, yeah, Karan. Karan Phillips. I, I, I would say the other thing that you might notice is that there were not riots at Arrowhead Stadium uh, against this kid, and they had to chase the kid out. Yeah. So 
this is the original lead on this. It takes a lot to disrespect two groups of people once. By the way, this kid is under 10. <laughs> but on Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas, a Kansas City Chiefs fan found a way to hate black people and Native Americans at the same time. It was as if John Gruden's emails had come to life. The image of a Chiefs fan in blackface wearing a Native headdress during a road game leads to so many unanswered questions. A fan? Was he like a 40-year-old dude? No, just a kid, just a child. Why did the camera cameraman give this fan attention? Why did the producer allow that camera angle to be aired at all? Is that a fan? Is that fan a kid, teenager, or a young adult? I mean, he's very obviously very young. Despite their age, who taught that person what they were... This is sports reporting, apparently. Who yeah. taught that person that this, this was... This is why I want to read about sports. Yeah. So it turns out, of course, one, one, it's not blackface. Two... <laughs> I do enjoy this twist. Yes. He's Native American. Yes. Yes, he is. He's Native American. Uh, the, the Chumash tribe of Santa Inez, which is in California. Yeah. So his family's affiliated specifically with a tribe, which is a great twist of fate for the identity-obsessed yes. people who are coming at him. His mother also went to Facebook and was like, dude, first of all, he's a kid. Second yeah. of all, he's not a black face. Third of all, third of all. He's Native American. Right. I mean, you can find his grandfather on the web. And yes. He's, yeah. But like, why are we canceling a kid who's a football fan? I mean, this is just ha, wild. Do you think we've reached And the he's point... the good guy. This guy thinks he's the good guy. Oh, yeah. No. And this guy's a Pulitzer finalist. Oh. Do you, do you think, at least according media, to his media Twitter handle. Media is so awesome. Do, do full you of think awesome people. this is the point where the pendulum starts to swing back or no? Because we've reached the point of madness here. And I'm glad that there's pushback on social media against him and against Deadspin. Yeah. But I don't know how much coverage otherwise this is getting because this is a ridiculous piece and it needs to be pushed back, not just by us right. or Fox or wherever. No, but... I, I think this one got a lot of pushback and I'm glad. And I would say, again, it's outrageous. For, formerly not that litigious a person, mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. sue, sue whoever you can. Go, go Covington for, Catholic. For defaming this kid. Yeah, yeah. Sue who you Get need to sue. Settlement. And then donate that settlement to the... Native American tribe. Now, you mentioned he had a response already, the the Quran, the the, the journalist. Oh, yes. Uh, where he said something to the effect of just, you know, he doubled no, down. He doubled down when he was attacked. He said, uh, well, oh, sure. Even if it's not blackface, he shouldn't be wearing the headdress. Right. As if you think it's the own that it's not or whatever to that effect. And you were the same white people who, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. Celebrate you, on Cinco de Mayo and the, the whole thing. So we hit. Yeah. White people who hate Mexicans but celebrate Cinco yeah. de Mayo or something. Will these people ever just say, "Well, I got that wrong. Sorry." No, I don't think. I don't think ever. We've that's reached not the where point the, that's not where, where the power comes. No, you from. think about the you know the writer for Rolling Stones who accused the the fraternity of of, of you know of rape. You know, it was she. They interviewed uh, this woman who had a, a fake rape claim and and, and or the the, the Duke lacrosse Duke uh, story. These people just go on. The, I Ru think. the Russia hoax, like you know, it's yeah, like only Russia four hoax. years of nonsense. Yeah. So in, in this Oops. particular case, I, I don't. It's amazing. This this he, they will. It, we shouldn't be surprised. They're not going to ever say, "Well, you know what? You're right. We we got a little. We went a little too far." Because they actually will believe this to the end. I don't know what Deadspin does with this writer, but I'm not going to hold my breath either. Well, wasn't Gawker already sued out of existence once? Yes, yes, they were. All right, proceed. Yeah, proceed. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know who did back off and say he was, at the very least, had bad judgment about a tweet recently? Oh. Oh, excuse me, a post on X? A post. Oh. Elon Musk. Ah. I watched a bit of his interview at the DealBook Summit with the journalist. What's his name? Sorkin is his last name. Not. 
Andrew, Andrew Ross, Ross Sorkin, Sorkin with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Thank you. It's a long interview. Musk, for his faults, is an interesting person. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting listen. There's one part that we're going to play that's getting a lot of attention, but he did in the in part of that discuss how his recent comment, which we talked about, where he affirmed a sort of nasty sounding, anti-Semitic sounding theory mm-hmm. about how the Jewish community aligns with woke folks and therefore this is this anti-Semitism shouldn't be surprising to yeah. them. When he affirmed that online, he said that was one of his more foolish, perhaps the most foolish thing he had ever tweeted. And when it comes down to it, he thinks that the overall evidence will show not only that he's not an anti-Semite, but that he's a uh, philo-Semitic. And, but the part that got all the press, anyway, it was, it was an interesting conversation. The part that got all the press was this audio of him talking about how he deals with and thinks about advertisers boycotting X. Apology tour, if you will. That this had been said online. There was all of the criticism. There was advertisers leaving. We talked to Bob Iger I hope today. they stop. You hope? Uh, don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean? If, if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money, go fuck yourself. But go yourself. Is that clear? I hope it is. Hey, Bob, if you're in the audience. Well, well, let me ask you then. That's how I feel. Don't advertise. How do you think then about... So that Bob is for Bob Iger uh-huh. of, of Disney. Look, there's a... Adam Adam Carolla has a it's formulation refreshing. has a formulation where he says there's there's different kinds of money. There's FU money, mm-hmm. which is a big deal. It's a yeah. lot of money. And then there's F me money, which means you can screw yourself uh-huh. because you have so much money uh-huh. Uh-huh. that you have the resources to back that up. That's what's going this mm-hmm. is Elon Musk has F me money. Mm-hmm. He has the money to drop on this and he has the money to say to advertisers, Oh, you're gonna boycott me with money? Are you going to blackmail me with money? Now, is this wise business? I would argue no. But here's the thing. There is something to this energy because you cannot lay down for every bully if you are attempting to run yeah. a fairly free forum on which no. people can express themselves And worry about what honestly. you can say, what you can't say, walking yes. on eggshells every single time. But I'll tell you, as uh, as a user of X, I, I will, uh, you know, I'll, I'll feel very upset if I get fewer ads. <laughs> you know, just hate for that to happen. I think your mileage may vary on Elon as the proprietor mm-hmm. of X. I think basically all his missteps are worth it for the implementation of community notes. Yes, which I think yeah, is yeah. extremely yeah. valuable and amusing. Uh, I, I am gonna, I am gonna say, I, I, w- I would be very upset if I don't get any more of the "Don't put this in your coffee" ads, which we know from the show. It's very disturbing and yet mysterious. I don't know what it is because I drink my coffee black. Because you, you can't click I don't through. Know you can't is. spend all that time clicking I don't know. through something out of Alien. So his argument was, look, I'm going to put it to the to to the people. And, you know, if these boycotts go on forever, they'll kill the platform. And if they want to kill the platform, then they'll have to answer for that. And Sorkin said, but, you know, wouldn't that partly be on you? Because they're saying they don't feel comfortable. And and he said, well, it'll it'll just be up to the public to decide. Now, I'm not sure it's going to come to that because I think a lot of very rich and powerful people want Twitter to continue to exist because they're addicted to it. It's a love-hate. It's a love-hate relationship. They're addicted to it. But I I do enjoy the GFY energy on some of this. 
You know who's also good at doing this is Dana White of the UFC. Okay. When That's... when advertisers say to the UFC, see that they're nervous about something, he will just say "f you." Yeah. That and if you lay down markers like that, you don't get pushed around as much because you're capable of standing up for yourself. I would argue that many of these college administrators and college presidents, including the president of Brown University, could use just a tiny bit of that energy yeah. with their students because they have been taught to bend the knee yeah. at any request well, from a certain segment of students, and they should stop being no, bullied. No, this is you see what the result is. Yeah, because you, you embolden bullies mm -hmm. when you do that. And Musk is not interested in emboldening bullies in that sense. There yeah. are others who would argue that some of the things on the site reward too many bullies. Yeah. And that's like that's like All the right. give and take of a social media site. But again, community notes plus GFY. This week I'm I'm okay with uh, Elon Musk. <laughs> okay. All right. What else we got? Did you want to talk about Black Friday? Sure, let's talk about Black Friday. Apparently Black Friday went really well in America. Cyber Monday in particular hit yes. huge records, yes. which is I'm all for that because I'm a lazy Black Friday person. Yeah, I'm not going to any place. I, you know, my uncle and my cousin used to do that and you get there at midnight or someplace. No. I'm not doing that. I'm not busting any doors or Thanksgiving night. I'm not. Do, no, I'm not busting any doors and getting in a fight and getting that on TV. Neil Augenstein of WTOP, yeah, who I love. He he was at Tyson's Corner Mall in Virginia at like between 5 and 6 a.m. and a line had already formed outside for Lululemon. For Lululemon, yeah. ladies. 6 a.m. Well, what were the prices? That one must have been pretty. <laughs> the, prices, been... the prices were so good, it was like 2019. That's how good they were. No, prices were so good, you could get two pairs of leggings for $350 at Lulu. I just wanted, I did want to contrast. Yes. Look, there are still things in America that we do well. Mm-hmm. And spending money on Black Friday is one yes, of them. Yeah. Now, it's good for uh, the how economy. much are we putting that on the, on the credit card? I don't know, but... Just as contrast, yes. France, mm -hmm. a little story out of France. The French government has launched a campaign encouraging people not to buy new clothes in Black Friday sales. The advertisement shows a man asking for advice in a shop before an assistant tells him not to buy anything to help the planet and his finances. How is it helping the planet? The Minister for Ecological Transition, responsible for promoting sustainability, Christophe Béchou is behind the campaign. But the message has been criticized by other government departments, like the ones that would like a thriving economy. Yeah. Finance Minister Bruno Le Maire called it ill-conceived and said it would harm honest businesses. France, get it together. By the way, the it's one a thing- general attitude. The though, one thing you're going to tell the French not to buy is fashion. Right. Maybe maybe right. pick some pick Big but Macs or something. It, but I don't you know, know, it's it's this general attitude of, you know, too much capitalism is a bad thing, right? And I get it here, I get it. We have this argument here in the United States, but they really they really take it seriously in in Europe when I when I lived in To their uh, detriment. To their detriment. When I lived in Germany and Austria, when I lived in Austria for a whole year, Sundays everything is closed. Right. You know, so a lot of the stores and not just retail. It's so funny because they're so much more secular than we are. No, wait, wait, that's the whole yeah. thing. That's what's crazy because, you know, the whole idea is it's going to be a family day. You go to church, spend time with your family. And I talk to, you know, a lot of, you know, Europeans, what they do on Sundays. Oh, we just watch football. You know, that's all the whole day of watching football. But you can't go anywhere else because everywhere else is closed. So a lot of the retail stores are closed. But not only that, supermarkets are closed. Pharmacies are closed. Yeah. I remember not us. We shop on the that Sabbath. That is insane. That's and I'll what tell you, we do. A funny thing: when I was there, and this was in the '90s, so this is ancient history. But the one big store that was open was the Virgin Mega Store, 
Okay. And the authorities in Vienna said- Like if, the place that you went to physically buy music at yes, one point? Yeah, okay. buy my CDs. And you would. And you can even do a listen sample. You can listen oh, to the I music. I remember you know, that, man. Oh, that was, oh, good. was good times. So cool. They were warned by Viennese authorities or state authorities, you insist to be open on a Sunday and it's against law, we will fine you. And Richard Branson, I guess that's the FU money. That's it the FU like, money. Fine. Come ahead, at find me. me. And it was packed. I it love packed. it. I love that. So, also, by that's the way- That's some I, civil disobedience I can get by. That is, I did ask, I remember at the time, well, if the supermarkets and, and pharmacies are, are closed, like suppose you need medication, where do you go? Like suppose I need Tylenol right. or aspirin. Right. You know, they said they said go to the train station. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, trains do run on time. I've heard yeah. that. Okay. One last thing. Yeah. I got to go after you your got? home state. Here. I know. I know. This is terrible. Governor Phil Murphy has conditionally vetoed a bill that would have eased restrictions on New Jersey breweries, distilleries, and wineries. Why would you want to do that? Some brewery owners told CBS New York on Tuesday the bill would have helped boost business. Leopold Sawadogo's beers <laughs> at Montclair Brewery, which he owns with his wife, tell a story. Black is Beautiful, which is a new brew he has, is, I can say, a protest beer. Again, this is protest I can get behind. I grew up watching my mother make beer. That's why it got me interested in making beer. But he said strict liquor laws in New Jersey are pushing business owners like him out. The brewery's co-owners say Governor Murphy's conditional veto of this bill that would have allowed breweries to hold unlimited events, serve food, and collaborate with vendors is shocking. This this is what he won't allow. Events, serving food, collaborating with vendors. What that yeah. that does sound it, like danger to yeah, me. Yeah, you, you know why would you want people to have a good time? And and a lot a lot of these breweries suddenly had to be very careful about how much food they how much food you could serve. Right. Of and now they're saying you can't even have like a food truck. I think is what well, they're and, saying. And they're, of course, a liquor a liquor license is very valuable. Oh, it sure. And is. if you mess around yeah. and you get sideways of something very bad for you, so I'm sure they play it quite safe. Yeah. And this all just seems like very reasonable stuff. Right. That could happen in Virginia. On the other hand. You can go to like Port City Brewery right. in Alexandria. They got the food truck. There's music. Everybody's having a great time. I've never seen and I've never seen things get out of control over there. Yeah. And every it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, I'm not sure if this is an argument for or against, but they're arguing because of proximity. They do it in Philly. So these these trucks will go to Philly sure. outside a brewery. Sure. Yeah. And they park on the parking lot yeah. and they do service mm-hmm. to their customers mm-hmm. and everybody wins. Yeah. But we can't have that much freedom in New Jersey. No, well, that's not surprising with New Jersey. With very high taxes and Phil Murphy's, of course, terrible with the schools. And he made, I believe, a surprise trip to Ukraine because he's actually thinking somebody in New York City when I was in there who knew Phil Murphy, of course, who came from Goldman Sachs fame, right? He's right. like a billionaire. Right. He is thinking of running for president. Oh, really? In Not in 2024, but certainly 2028, laying the groundwork now because he's done such an amazing job in the Garden State. Yeah, that's great. That's it. When I go back doing fantastic. to Cape May next summer, I'm going to go to Cape May Brewing to support them, oh, and hopefully they'll and be serving food. That's the only reason. This is just a legislative push that you're Strictly doing. Strictly for legislative Every time push. you take a swig, legislative yeah. push. Or there's another place called Naughty Spirits. Mm-hmm. Naughty, but it's I'm more do- like nautical. doing some civic nautical. engagement. It's nautical. And I guess you have to brown bag your lunch because there's I not going to be any food. So. It's just wild. You can't, you can't eat food at the brewery. Sorry. And the breweries are limited to the number of events because if they have too many parties, good Lord. Don't want that to happen. All right. That wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can follow the show at Getting Hammered Podcast on Instagram or YouTube, and you should. 
And also, I would like to note, program note for next week, that the Free Beacon oh, yeah. is a partner in the next presidential debate, which is taking place in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Very exciting. A place I'm not at all interested in as a Georgia fan. Oh. Taking place in Tuscaloosa, and the Beacon's own Eliana Johnson will be one of the moderators alongside Megan Kelly and Elizabeth Vargas of News Nation, who is, is airing this debate. So check that out, and we will talk about it the next week. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.